This is the Building Management Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. As people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. Regardless of the ups and downs in the stock market, if these manufacturers, these plants, and these entities want to stay open, they need water. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Building Management Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. We did an episode on this podcast a while ago called The Leading Blue Glass Cleaner Can Kill. Should it be in schools? Very dramatic, yes, but also true. The cleaning products that we're used to using on a daily basis, as our guest today continues to claim, either aren't getting the job done or are putting our health at risk. And this time around, we're looking at single-use wipes. Are they as inefficient as the blue glass cleaner? Which industries are most at risk of using the incorrect cleaning products? And how do we change the narrative around proper, effective, and health-conscious cleaning and disinfecting? So I'm pleased to welcome back John Shanahan, president and CEO of Ionogen. John, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Daniel. And yourself? I'm super. Thank you for asking. So, John, I want to start off with, do you still stand by your statement that the leading blue glass cleaner can kill you? <laughs> yes. it's, a very, it's a very dramatic <laughs> one, but, uh, you know, there we unpacked the whole thing last time. Yeah, I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I was just recently at a social function with some friends, and uh, it, it, it led me to that very conversation where one of the guests who I wasn't speaking with came over and actually sort of accosted me and said, well, I have that product in my house. And I said, Okay. Let me just read to you a couple of ingredients that are in the product, and you tell me, uh, would you spray it near your granddaughter? After we went through about four of the 13 ingredients, they said, I had no idea. I said, ah. So I said, reading the recipe never dawned on you. And she said, I didn't even know you could find the recipe. So afterwards, she said, I'll throw it away. I said, well, she said, but then what do I use? And we talked about uh, alternatives. So yeah, I, I still very much stand by it. If people knew what they were bringing into their house and exposing to their children or grandchildren. I think they'd make different decisions. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's what we try to do with this podcast is educate. And it seems like what you've dedicated your career to also is is educating and changing the narrative around what does uh, health conscious and um, practical but effective sanitation look like. So let's unpack the market around single-use wipes, because that's what we're focusing on today. You have very similar things to say about the single-use wipe as you do blue glass cleaner, including that overuse could lead to cancer. Uh, A very bold statement, but I think we're going to get to see why you make that claim. Um, And I feel like everything nowadays is pushing people towards cancer, right? So it's difficult to avoid, but I'd like to unpack what that market looks like right now, the one for single-use wipes. How many big players are in that space, and how different are their products? If you wanted to to diversify what you were using as your single-use wipe, do you really have a lot of choice? Yeah, you really don't. The In the professional space, when we look, and I'll break it down very quickly into the professional space and then the consumer space. In the professional space, the leading one is a, is a company called um, uh, Cavicide, and they're called Cavi Wipes, and they've been around for quite a while. You find them in hospitals, and you find them in nursing homes, and you'll You'll primarily find them in the medical field, uh, dental offices and things like this. Um, But then there's the two old legacy brands that have been around for 100 years, Lysol and Clorox, both 100-year-old firms. 
And, and interestingly enough, you ask a great question. If you said, oh, I think I'll look at the formula, it's kind of like you can get your Ford in any color as long as it's black. The recipes are really the same from product to product. They typically all use what are called quaternary ammoniums um, in one form or another, and they'll pack these fabrics full of either this quaternary ammonium. A couple of them use um, isopropyl alcohol or a variation of alcohol, but the leading disinfectant used in these products, uh, across all of them, is quaternary ammonium. And that's the problem. The consumer doesn't really have uh, a lot of options. And that could be, by the way, the purchasing manager at, you know, Faith Memorial Hospital, or it could be Mrs. Johnson on your, your next door neighbor. And, and, and these products are primarily packaged by a limited group of companies. Um, and, and so the recipe or the chemistry that's going product to product really isn't very different. Right, which I think is the the issue, right? Uh, I mean, we we need to be able to understand what's in the product, and then if we don't like it, hopefully make some kind of actionable decision for something better. Um, though, you know, like you said, if, if the big legacy brands don't really offer much of a difference, then I think it, it plays into that idea that, you know, consumers need more options. Consumers need to be able to to make that option that's going to be more health conscious. So uh, we'll dig into that a little bit more here. But first, I want to get a sense for how people misuse single-use wipes. What would you say is the biggest misunderstanding around single-use wipes, and how do you see them being used incorrectly? And then once you once you unpack that, also fill me in on how you think it can affect the environments that they're trying to clean. Uh, and how it really can affect the people using them, too, if not used correctly. So I'm going to take you down a little bit of a, of a storyline path so that I can paint a couple of scenarios for you because I think it better illustrates the weaknesses inherent with these products. I love it. So, so <clears throat> I want you to consider back in, in the days when you were in college and you were going through college and your roommate comes home from college and he's um, maybe been overserved that night and he wanders into... Um, the bathroom in the house and he leaves let's call it matter or his nights partying behind in there now we go in in that room and we're going to go take these single-use wipes and we have to wipe this surface to to try to pick up this matter or what's laying both on the toilet and on the floor the problem is is that these wipes which say they're disinfecting wipes the first time you put that wipe down it became contaminated, the disinfectant that needed to do the work. When it touched the proteins that came out of his body, the, the, the proteins killed off all the disinfectant immediately. And the other side of it is, it became like a snowplow in Chicago in February. It starts pushing the germs. Beyond the solid physical matter, it starts pushing the germs all over the place. Now, if we take that a little bit farther into a little bit more of an illustrative thought, I want you to use visually for a second the image of a brand new, I just went to the Ace Hardware store, I brought a brand new snowy white toilet seat. It's brand new, it's snowy white. Now for the purposes of understanding what really goes on with these wipes, I want you to imagine that I took um, a bottle of chocolate Hershey syrup and I went around the outside rim of that. And so that's kind of viscous, it's kind of thick like motor oil. And now you take this single use wipe and you push it across the top of the Hershey syrup. Now, now, what do you suppose would happen? Would it smear? Of course, it's viscous. It's not going to get it. These wipers are not designed to be absorbent. 
So the snowplow effect happens. So now we've got a, instead of a dark brown layer of chocolate syrup, now we have a faded layer. So we take the second wiper now and we give it a second wipe, which most people won't do. As soon as something is not visible, they'll assume that it's gone. The problem is that in that application, 42 active bacteria are still on that toilet seat. So if that were human matter and not syrup, and you came home from work and you're now going to use that, or if you're married and you have children and your daughter's had the flu or she's picked up a cold at school and she has now left any biomatter on the toilet seat and you use it because that wiper didn't have a kill step. The, the, the disinfectant that was in the wiper became contaminated by the material that was there. You're now going to get sick. And so these wipers eliminate one of the most important steps. And it's not subjective by me. In the 1980s, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta said, unless there is a formal cleaning step, there is no disinfecting. And they were very, very clear about that saying, without this immediate step, you cannot rely on any germs to die. So the problem is these wipers become contaminated. That's the first step. They, they pick up all this biomatter or, or stuff, for lack of a more graphic term, and they become contaminated. Now they're not actually killing anything. So now you go to visit grandma in the nursing home and this very busy, overworked uh, technician who's cleaning the nursing home, grandma's uh, been sweating and she's been grabbing the bed rails and you come in and you, and you go grab the bed rails. Well, the problem is grandma's left biomatter, her personal stuff behind on that rail. When they wiped it with a single-use wipe, they never killed any of those germs. The wiper became contaminated. Now you could very well get MRSA, staph, or worse, uh, an illness called C. diff. This is why in healthcare today, we see what we call hospital-acquired infections raging through healthcare. It's why we see norovirus and other things raging through school districts and the flu raging through school districts because there's a false narrative that says, well, I wiped the surface with this, this wiper. The wiper was so contaminated, it never had a chance to kill anything. It died before it ever did any work. So there's, it's a false sense of something happened. I did a physical action, but you never killed any germs. And honestly, it just draws down to cleaning best practices in my head. Um, I mean, it goes back to how I clean my floor. I sweep, I vacuum, then I mop. You know, I wouldn't wait a month to clean my floor, then go in with the mop first because I'm just going to spread the dirt around everywhere that I probably should have swept up first and then vacuumed. I think we've, we get a very similar concept here, right? If, if something's filthy or contaminated and you just run the wet wipe over it, really you're just smearing it everywhere else and it's not really disinfecting, it's not picking up the material, you know, you need a several step process and that just comes down to education, but it's not like you really see any of the big brands educating, um, and I don't think there's a malicious agenda per se, but it's just, you know, not really known that people need to be double wiping. And this is especially potent, like you said, in hospitals where people's health is paramount. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally the main objective. 
It, it is, and, and, and what, what happens is if we don't get that cleaning step, and your analogy about what to do with your floor is absolutely perfect, now, we don't, eat, we don't eat our food off the floor, so now imagine <laughs> on a countertop. Okay, well, maybe you don't, <laughs> right? <No. laughs> well, I, I have at in, in, in different points yeah. in my life. But, um, uh-huh. but I mean, it, 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 if you think about it, um, you know, it, it, think of the countertop. So one of the common areas where these are used is on cutting boards in your home. And chicken carries, raw chicken carries a whole bunch of dangerous, harmful pathogens. And people say, well, I'll, j- I'll just wipe this with this big brand sanitizer and that's going to kill. No, the protein that was left behind in what we call chicken juice in my house, the protein killed off that disinfectant before you ever had a chance to kill off the Listeria monotogenes or any of the other germs that were left behind. So with a failure to do this kill step or this clean step first, you know, I, I've always said to people, it's a little graphic, and I hope it's not near lunch when somebody's listening to this, but you got to get the poop off the toilet seat. If you don't do that, you're not going to disinfect anything. So I'm glad you brought up hospitals, and it seems like the conversation is flowing towards hospitals. Um, last time we talked about schools, so I want to focus on another another industry or another, I guess, set of buildings, right? That disinfection is paramount to safety and to solid operations. So what is the go-to method for disinfecting in a hospital? And I'm guessing they're probably using the more commercial level wipes, though I might be wrong. You know, they might be buying from the consumer legacy brands, but I want to get your take on what is the go-to method in a hospital for disinfecting and why is the constant use of single-use wipes a potential issue for medical spaces? And you sort of already unpacked this, but if you want to give any more examples, feel free. Yeah, so there are, don't get me wrong, there's a few medical facilities that that understand this. And when I say that, they clean really well. They have a cleaning bucket, and then they have a disinfecting approach. And there are a few, but you could count them on two hands. And to put this into perspective, there's over 5,000 hospitals in the United States. But more importantly, and more frightening, is there's 130,000 what we call ambulatory surgical centers. That's dental offices, that's uh, dock-in-the-boxes, that's simple walk-in clinics. And, and when we don't get this right, um, you're more likely to get very sick at a dock-in-the-box or a place like that. And they, all these places, use this very popular brand called Cavicide. Now, the problem with this is, is some hospitals will use a, a commercial um, bucket that has a very aggressive disinfectant, very aggressive, and they'll, they'll put it in this bucket and you take a reusable rag and they, they change them out periodically, but they take this rag and they soak it in there all day long and then they kind of wipe things down. The problem is the rags are reusable. They can be laundered. Very few of them are properly laundered. They wind up carrying bio burden with them and, and the workers don't often change them as frequently as they should because they have to go to another place or pick these up. And so these are just as bad as the single-use wipes. We'll get more into those later. But what comes of this is in these single-use wipes, these cavicide wipes, I happened to be at a dentist office just a couple of weeks ago. And the young technician, very nice young lady, uh, had a big window so that when you're in the dentist's office, she didn't have to be in the cave. I watched her when she was done take off her gloves, grab these wet wipes out of a tub that the lid had popped off on. So the lid was open, all the chemical had evaporated, but she grabbed them barehanded and she wiped, I counted, 11 different surfaces with the same wiper. That means that that dental 
area is not disinfected. It's not sanitized. She's now put at risk not only her own health from touching that chemical direct, but she's now left a contaminated slurry all over that, all over that dental office. This happens in ambulatory surgical centers all the time. I had a, my son uh, and I, a couple of years back, he had a minor skiing accident, kind of uh, sprained his arm. We went into an ASC in Tahoe, and the woman reached out, and she, very in good intent, but she pulled out this wiper, and she wiped down some of the countertops in the areas he was sitting, and I chuckled, and she said, what's so funny? I said, why did you do that? She said, well, I want to disinfect it. I said, should I go out to my car? And she said, what do you mean? I said, that didn't do anything. That's wet. And the problem is, Daniel, that most of these tubs of wipers have a very passive top. And the workers who work with them daily find that getting the fabric out of them is very difficult. So they either take the lids off completely or they pop the lid open. It's almost ubiquitous to go into a friend's house, see the little tub of Lysol wipes and the lid is standing open. In 24 hours, whatever active chemical was in there wicked out and disappeared. So they got a tub of water. There's no disinfectant in there, none whatsoever. And... So the, the, in, in hospitals and nursing homes, this happens all the time. And then there's no kill step. There is actually no removal, and then there's no kill, leaving the, the facility very, very vulnerable for whatever's coming in the front door. Part of the explanation of why last year we lost 53,000 people in the most advanced country in the world to the flu. Just the flu. So it, it's, it's when pathogens get a move on. And in the last podcast when you and I discussed it and it was just in the news again this morning now you've got measles in a full-blown tilt now we're up to over 350 people in the U.S. who have died from the measles measles is moving we have a global world population and you and I can agree that we'll never figure out whether people should be immunized or not that's for brighter minds than us but measles is here and it's either coming from countries from people who are well-intentioned but come here without immunization or people here who don't believe in it. Now that sounds scary at measles because it makes a lot of people sick. Now consider that when you don't immunize, the next germ is called polio and there is no cure for polio. If you get it, you're paralyzed and people are not immunizing for the sock vaccine anymore. So all of these things, when we use wipers that are not effective, make the germs get stronger, more resistant and these wipes have no effect whatsoever on some of these really, really aggressive viruses that are making a strong comeback. Right. And, I mean, you think about even if they do disinfect, you also aren't necessarily killing every germ, right? So if you've got a lukewarm single-use wipe and you kill some of the germs but you just kind of <laughs> irritate the others they're going to come back stronger and then each time you use that lukewarm wipe and you're going over that same spot you know next time they're going to be stronger next time they're going to be stronger and then eventually you've got something that a disinfectant wipe isn't going to be strong enough to to kill so you know there's a domino effect as well yeah university of north carolina a brilliant brilliant microbiologist named dr leanne jacobs conducted some five-year studies with the um, National Institutes of Health on norovirus, which most people call the cruise ship disease. And, and um, these wipers are primarily powered by a chemical called quaternary disinfectant. And they went on in the study to prove that these quats do nothing. And as a result of long-term use, to back up what you just said, and you're brilliant for making the point, 
what happened was they documented in this study that norovirus morphed. It changed. It went from a simple virus called the Norwalk virus to the Sydney virus to now the type A virus. And now we know the virus actually travels by air when somebody throws up. That's profound. And, and by the way, it has the cruise ship industry freaked out. You get norovirus, they lock you in your cabin and you don't get out. You're locked in there and you're going to stay in there because they don't want you spreading it across the ship. So you're absolutely right. My, my favorite line from a, a great original movie was Jurassic Park where Jeffrey Goldblum says, nature finds a way. If you mistreat germs with weak antibiotics or you mistreat them with improper disinfection, nature finds a way. It adapts. It gets stronger. All right. So, John, we've spent most of the podcast kind of dooming and glooming it up. So let's let's try to end on an optimistic note. What is the alternative for the single-use wipe. I know you said it yourself, there really aren't that many options on the consumer end and even on the, on the commercial end. There's kind of a standard and people aren't really deviating from that. So there's a lot of education that has to go into it. But let's say from a, a product standpoint, what are the alternatives out there that are viable and are effective and are health conscious and will actually get the job done? So there are brilliant uh, microbiologists in our industry, and one of them, the leading food safety microbiologist in the United States, is a guy by the name of Dr. Hal King from Atlanta. Brilliant guy, um, formerly of, of Chick-fil-A, and Hal has patented and created a technology that is a two-sided bucket. So the wipers are separated, and they're single-use, but they're on. there's a separate wiper there just for cleaning, and it's color-coded, and a separate one for your sanitizing and food service or disinfecting in healthcare. These technologies are very compact. They're very, very uh, easy to work with, and the, uh, the, this technology is forthcoming, and this technology allows the user, in a simple, compact form, to have the ability to have the cleaning step much required, and it uses just a very, very simple, healthy cleaner that's generated on-site, and then the other side uses a very benign disinfectant. Now, when I say benign, not all disinfectants. As a matter of fact, most of them are very hard on us and are toxic to us. But there's a very well-known disinfectant that's actually generated inside the human body known as hypochlorous acid. And it's very safe. Our own body creates it. And it's near neutral pH. It's a chlorine derivative. It's non-toxic. It's not harmful. And when used in concert with this two-bucket system, it will provide an enormous level of results. It provides a level far above what any of these single-use wipes could do. And through the testing that Dr. King has done, he's been able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this simple step, all we're asking Molly and the hospital to do is pull one out, wipe the bio burden of the dirt or the Hershey's syrup off the toilet seat, and then now that that surface is clean, we've removed the soil, go back and put the disinfectant down. And what Dr. King has created is a technology that uses a highly spongy absorbent cleaning side, but the, the, the side that deposits the disinfectant is almost like a silk shirt. It's almost non-absorbent. And so when you pull it out, it's very moist, but it leaves the solution behind, the hypochlorous acid behind, to have the profound time before it dries to get a kill step. This technology revolutionizes how we get rid of the dirt and then kill the germs. And, and it goes back to the standard that I talked about earlier with CDC. Proper steps always result in proper results. And, and it also takes away the toxicity issue 
to the worker. We're not asking a staff member who's got to disinfect 500 patient rooms or the young technician who's got a who's in childbearing years, who's going to disinfect this dental office all day long. We're not asking him or her to be working with toxins that can do everything from affect their, their um, hormone systems to affect how their children will be born. We're giving them something that's non-toxic, totally benign, and safe, yet highly effective. And that's the key. Get the dirt out, provide a disinfectant that's very results-oriented and isn't harmful to the surfaces, to the environment or to us. But, I'm going to throw in a but, what if we have schools or hospitals or office spaces that don't have the budget to pay for safer products or higher end products and really all they can pay for is a a Clorox wipe or something something on the consumer end, the, the Walmart version of the Clorox wipe, right? How can we at least educate them for the better um, and help them have better, healthier disinfecting practices? And how are you and Ionogen trying to be part of that education movement? So the education for the marketplace is, is to look to what we call safety data sheets. Understand the chemistry that's coming in your building. Just because it's tied to a 100-year-old legacy brand doesn't mean it's safe. In fact, in most cases, these older companies have stopped innovating years back, and they're just using formulations that have been around for a long, long time. Find out what's in the chemistry and chemicals that come into your building. Like eating healthy, cleaning healthy isn't more expensive. As a matter of fact, it's actually usually about 40% less because you go from multiple bad chemicals. And for the, the, the budget-conscious place, simply using a two-bucket system, one with a cleaner, one with uh, the safest disinfectant you can source. And, and today, hypochlorous acid is available uh, both bottled, so they could buy it in place of these quaternary disinfectants. And you can buy dry wipes. As a matter of fact, dry wipes are less expensive than the pre-moistened wipes by the big brand companies. Specifically, are what, what are we doing is, Ionogen is committed to the development of technologies that allow us to do exactly what you're talking about. Lower the cost, lower the toxicity, and to bring very affordable, very familiar devices and solutions to people that need to get the job done but are looking for an alternative from potentially toxic and dangerous cleaning chemicals. And I mean, it's going to take a lot of work to educate the entire public or even just begin with businesses and business owners to better understand what they're doing wrong with the single-use wipe and how to remedy that. But I think with people like John Shanahan, in the market, um, you know, things are looking bright and there's definitely a future for safer products and better practices for using those products. So, John, thank you for joining us on the Building Management Podcast. Once again, I really enjoyed our conversation. Got to start prepping the next one because I know we're definitely going to have another solid conversation here soon. Yes, Daniel. Thank you. I've always enjoyed our time together and thank you for uh, the interview and your time today. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.